0: If you're just joining us we've been in a series called living for a greater mission so many of us are confused about our calling our purpose there's a lot of confusion within the christian church even about our calling and purpose so last week we touched on the various areas of our own personal calling our own unique calling as individuals so i'd really encourage you guys to go back and listen to that if you haven't already God was moving so powerfully last week. I, I, I felt it myself. The word was marked. Marked. I was marked. I think we were marked. I had people reach out. I was marked today. I was like, okay, theme of the day. Marked. Who wants to be marked by God today? You know, we're not just in here to gather, to, to hear a good message, to get a goosebump or two, to. to Chatted up with some new people, as great as these things are, we're here to be transformed into more and more the likeness of Jesus, aren't we? It's the power of God at work within us. And so even today, we want to open ourselves up to a greater measure of transformation and change, a deep work within us. We spoke last week, too, about laying our lives down on the altar laying our lives down freely and willingly. If, if we reflect back to the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans and the first 11 chapters, he's giving this discourse, this, this immaculate theology of the gospel. And remember, he says, all of this, all this that you've come to know about the goodness of God revealed by the person of Jesus, by his death, burial, and resurrection, and bringing you into new life, all of this Now, therefore, this is what you're supposed to do about it. We are supposed to put our bodies on the altar as living sacrifices. Because we've come to know the goodness of God and how great his love is, we lay down. Now, here's the beautiful thing about knowing Jesus. We don't just lay in a posture before him and stay there. Because as we lay before him, he says, now resurrect with power all of me filled with all of you. I lay down, not just to lay down, I lay down so that you may abound within me. This is the plans and purposes of God, that his grace and his power be awakened, alert and active in our lives. That we're not just, we're not just laying there in surrender, but through surrender, the power of God is made manifest in our lives. And that's what I want to focus on this morning, the power of God that moves through us. I said a phrase last week that, that carried a lot of weight with me throughout the week, and I actually was planning something else about, maybe I'll get to it in the weeks to come. I was going to talk about the tabernacle of David and some of those attributes, but I felt even this morning that the Lord wanted me to, to focus in on this phrase once again, that you are a walking encounter. Did you know that you, right where you're at, you are a walking encounter with God? We are carriers of his presence. And so that's what I'm preaching on today, carriers of God's presence. For those who walk with God and follow Jesus, there's something that's stirred within you. There's like a a holy ache within your very core to know God more. There's a longing as, as a man or woman to host the presence of God well in your life. Moses is an incredible example of this in scripture. He valued the presence of God, knowing it, coming face to face with God or person to person with the presence of God. And it says, turn with me to Exodus 33. I want to encourage you guys, if you can, to bring your Bibles, but, you know, phones do it just well too, but I think there is something fun about having the Bible in front of you to be able to look for yourself in that way. Exodus 33, starting in verse 15. Then he, Moses, said to him, speaking to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. We shall be separate from all other people. Moses is basically saying, God, if your very presence is not coming with us, there is nothing that makes, a, makes us different from anyone else walking the planet. We are carriers of your presence as a people. And that is the very, the very thing that separates us and makes us different from anyone else. The Spirit of God alive and living within us. That's what makes you a believer. The Holy Spirit fills you and makes residence within you, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, and that's what sets us apart. If God doesn't go with us, then what are we doing? Where are we going? If we're not going with God, what are we doing? If we're not following him, what are we doing? Do you want to keep living your life, striving for a little good work here or there? You know, a little blessing to someone, a little smile at the coffee shop. Those are great things, but we're talking about something that changes the world. This is the power of the gospel. It's not a matter just of talk, but of power. If you're just striving to be a better person and to to live some good deeds, you're gonna be left feeling very unfulfilled and empty. But I desire to be a people of his presence, those who live connected, walking with him, living with open hearts to the little nudges and movements of his leading and his transformation, and those who are filled up with his glory and his goodness that we are overflowing in our lives and, and this overflow of his glory that we've been so radically transformed by starts to spill out into our homes. It starts to spill out into our communities, into our workplaces. That as we live, just filled up, knowing that we are his and he is ours, that we are carriers of the living God, that this transformation spills out into every place that he calls you. That you don't have to do it and force it on your own, but you're listening in to the still small voice of God and saying, where you go, I go. What you pray, I will pray. I will be your voice, I will be your hand into this world, a people of his presence. That's what we're here for. We live aware, we live connected, we live dependent, and then God does all of the heavy lifting. I wanna share a moment about my own journey now, I've been, I've been preaching from the book of Acts. It's been a little bit heady for a couple of weeks, so I thought I'd kind of swing back into some personal things, a little bit of, like, this is my heart for the house as well. So in my own journey, I, I grew up in a family that walked with Jesus, still walks with Jesus. Uh, my dad is from Norway. His family did not know the Lord. Uh, my mom grew up in a uh, almost universalist home where... Um, Her father was teetering more on that openness. And so they did not have living relationships with God. But my mom was was in Chicago. They had had my brother already. And she was going to take her life. She'd been deeply depressed for years. Just all she could describe it as a pit that she couldn't get out of. And so all she knew knew to do was, if I take my life... my my dad's name is Sveta, Sveta and Christian can have another mom, another wife, and they won't have to deal with this, this darkness. And so she was going to take her life. And the audible voice of God showed up in that Chicago apartment and said, Kathy, there's no other way that you can find hope. You've been looking for it in all these different ways. I'm the only one that can bring you out of this pit. And if you seek me, you'll find me if you seek me with all of your heart. And so something switched within her. It was like a light switch. She said, I'm gonna quit all of the other self-help stuff and I'm gonna find God. Now, I wanna, I wanna give a little caveat that self-help stuff is, is also wonderful. But in that moment, the Lord was igniting something in her life, a hunger to follow the truth of who this God is. What is this hope? For the first time, she sensed hope in years. And so they came and moved to North Carolina. I was born a year later, and that's the family that I grew up in, where they they truly had come from darkness and into the marvelous light of Jesus. And it changes everything in your household. It changes everything when you know God and you get to situations, financial difficulty, making decisions about your kids. It's all connected. How How can you do this separate from connection with God himself? But this is the family I was raised in. And so I, I came to faith at a really young age. I, I wasn't even four yet. I've, I've, shared about, I've shared about the story of being Jesus' little lamb. And, uh, you know, it's humbling sometimes to just say as men that we are Jesus' little lambs. But uh, that's who we are. And uh, he's the good shepherd. So I was, I was going all around the mall. I was not even four I was just telling every I was already evangelizing. I'm Jesus' little lamb. I'm, I'm Jesus' little lamb, everyone. So uh, I still say that, actually, when I go to the mall. I just... Yep, it works. It really does. So even though I knew the Lord, and I, I told you last week when I was called in the ministry at eight or nine years old, it was powerful. But even... Through that calling, I had to walk through the process. How many of you know that there's a process before you get to the palace? And often, God doesn't want you to skip the process before you're in the palace. So my process was, I like to say that I was an MTV Christian, meaning uh, lukewarm, lukewarm. You know, not too bad, but just lukewarm. You guys get that? Someone gets that. MTV, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Carson Daly. Shout out. So, you know, I still love the Lord. I had a relationship with him. I ended up going to school in Chicago um, and, and studying t- for, for life in ministry. That was the trajectory of my life. I knew I loved God, but there was, there was something that I'm talking about of this presence of God that was missing, an ache within me that was missing. And I remember thinking repeatedly this is it. This is it. Okay, I've got got knowledge of the gospel. I've got my ticket to heaven. I want to tell other people about Jesus who saves you from your sins and and brings you into eternal life. That is the gospel. But I did not have a revelation of the life that I could have now filled with the power and presence of Jesus. And it wasn't until I had my own personal revival with the Lord, where I, would, I started to, to grow in a hunger. And how many of you know that in the kingdom of God, whatever you eat, whatever you feast on, you get more hungry for? And that can be positive or negative. If you're filling your life and opening up doors and you're feasting on negative things, your appetite is just gonna go even higher in that area. But the more that you feast on the goodness of God, the more that you feast on his word, the more that you take time intentionally every morning. And you say, I might not be feeling it today, but I'm just gonna be faithful because he's faithful. And he promises this is my daily bread. He promises that he wants to commune with me and that I'm changed as I behold his glory. And soon enough, this appetite for the word, the appetite for his presence, that appetite for God person to person started moving with a momentum in my life that couldn't be stopped. And I remember that I read a book by a man named Randy Clark, If you're familiar with the Toronto outpouring in the 90s, he was a guest speaker that was invited in, and the Holy Spirit moved in such power and such majesty and such unusual ways that it got the attention of the world, and the nation started flooding into the airport fellowship of Toronto to have their own personal and powerful encounters with God. It was just a sovereign move of God where he chose to move and mark that house, But Randy Clark was the very one that came into that house and brought apparently what God wanted to say and do, the revelation of the Father's love that brought about this next movement of what God wanted to do to shake up lives. Randy used to be a Baptist minister, that's living a Christian with a seatbelt. You know, my school was basically Baptist. I love those guys. They have a love for the word. Sometimes it feels like it's Father, Son, and Holy Bible. It's like, there's also the Spirit of God. And I would love to bring that conversation into being as well. So, this man, Randy, had a great understanding of the word of God, but he was absolutely... Taken out in the best way possible by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and changed forever. Because that's that's what happens when you have these powerful encounters with the living God. And so I was reading this book called There Is More. And I was, every time I read the title, I was leaping inside. I was like, there is more. Come on. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) And. When you're hungry, you start spending money, and you're like, I'm going to go to that conference. Doesn't matter how much it costs. I'm a college kid. We're going to that conference. I want to meet God there. There's actually something beautiful about going and pursuing, and God loves hunger. It doesn't matter what denomination you are. He loves hunger. In fact, there's a lot of bad theology out there, but if you're hungry, you'll probably still encounter God. God responds to hunger. He works with that. So even today, part of my, my hope is just to stir up a hunger within you. Some of you have been a little bit dormant, you've shoveled a little dirt on top of that, and it's time to a little sift, sift on through, dust yourself off, dust yourself off and try again. The 80s kids are really, really active today. If at first you don't, I like to say, as, as the great prophet Aliyah once said, if at first you don't succeed, you better dust yourself off and try again. May she rest in peace. Aaliyah brought us to church. It's too good. All right. Woo! Where am I? I was on my journey. All right. So in this hunger, I... I ended up doing my internship in South Africa and I went to Zambia and Madagascar and I found some fiery friends. If you wanna grow in hunger in your life, find some fiery friends. Find some people that are hungrier than you are because it's contagious. Surround yourself with hungry people. If you surround yourself with people who are just mundane and only have the cold water on, what do you think is gonna happen to your life? It wasn't meant to be that strong of a warning, but there it is. <laughs> they need it. Uh, so I, I went f- with four other individuals to Madagascar. It was a wild trip, no toilets, about 100 chickens on the roof, w- red, dirt, red dirt roads. We went out there, it was, it was fun. And um, we went to village to village. Often they would just have just makeshift places to meet. Sometimes I just need to remember some of these things when we're like, oh, we don't have a building except for Sunday. Oh, I only drive, I only drive, I I don't want to make fun of a car. So I only drive that car. I'm like, there are makeshift places that people are just huddling to meet with God. We have it real good, perspective shift. All right, so there I am in Madagascar. And what we came to do, they were, they, they've been there for several years. And they said, we want your ministry. Teach us how to pray for the sick. Teach us how to pray for the sick. So myself and a few other individuals, this was new for me. Okay? This was new for me. I had known God, but I, didn't, I did not know that as I laid hands on people, they could be made well. Inst- like instantly. Not like we pray for Aunt Betty's. Big toe, it's been really bothering her. Bless, bless the doctor's hands as they perform operations. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we've been to those prayer meetings. But this was a shift where, where I would see God move miraculously and with power. And I tell you what, it felt like every person that was coming up saw immediate breakthrough in their pain. Immediate, I, we saw deaf ears open in that place. We saw um, cancer dissolving under, under our hands as we prayed. It was powerful, and it, it changed me. And I said, this is not just meant for Madagascar. Let's bring this to the streets of Chicago. So then I returned back to Chicago, and uh, I actually have a few friends here that, that were there at the same time as me. Um, but I couldn't get enough. In fact, as I'm talking about this, and as I was reviewing it, I was like, I want that insatiable hunger again. I want that. It didn't matter. We didn't have a church service. I was like, hey, who's hungry? Come over. Come over. Let's, let's pray. Let's worship. Let's, let's watch a video that inspires us, whatever it is. And uh, I remember one time I had a friend. We were so hungry to encounter God that it was like a Friday night. Okay, let me preface. I, I am not a dancer, but I do like to dance. Okay? Okay. <laughs> I'm not saying I dance well, I just, I just enjoy, I do. So, but this, this was a little different. This was dancing unto the Lord, okay? That is not something that I was familiar with. And so we like turned off all the lights, and I'm talking every light, okay? And turned on some Misty Edwards worship music. And we said, let's dance before the Lord, shall we? I got to tell you, the Lord loves to respond to us giving an act of worship, whatever it might be. And so as we were just doing our thing before the Lord, we couldn't, I mean, all I could see were maybe like a little shadow once in a while, but God responded in, in a special presence. And it was a way that, that, that God continued to work. Like even in these small areas, he loves to show up and reveal himself to us. It was just a hunger stirred. I remember I was with a friend and we went to Whole Foods and just happened to run into this woman. My friend was like, I think she's highlighted. We, we got a, a word of knowledge for her. And so my friend shared it and it was the only thing that this woman had bought at the farmer's market that morning. So she's like, you have my attention. You have my attention. So this, this older woman named Eva, gorgeous woman with white hair, I would love to listen to a TED Talk of hers or something, like just dripping with grace as she spoke. In fact, she had been healed of, uh, not healed in a miraculous way, but healed through medicine of cancer. And so she spoke about cancer and had a following. Well, her hunger was sparked. She says, I don't, I don't know this God that you're talking about, but I'm spiritually interested. And so I started meeting with her pretty regularly at Starbucks And right there, underneath the L train above us, at a Starbucks, we would sit down, focus in on the presence of God, and she was locked in. She was locked in. And I remember the first time we sat down, there's all the Starbucks action going on around us. It didn't matter. As I led her into a vision to hear from God, she says, I'm I'm in this field, but I see this man on a white horse coming towards me. And he has a sword by his side. And she starts to describe Jesus, a Jesus she doesn't know. And he would reach out his hand and pull her up and ride off and save her. She was having visions like this and could feel the presence of God cascading upon her. And her hunger stirred up a hunger in me. And that's how it works through these relationships, right? And so we started meeting regularly Now she is a a full-on believer in Jesus. She is preaching the gospel. God took all of her skills, of her communication skills, the the, the grace that she held as a woman, and her experience, and now she's able to preach who Jesus is in her life and what he's done for her. We don't know what what a little touch point at Whole Foods can do to change the pattern of someone's life but this is the presence of God active and following his voice, following his leading, letting him him do the heavy lifting to see the change and transformation. I remember too, when I was in Madagascar, it was the first time I had seen someone really demonized. This man was, you know, this is something that we train train in ministry team, for example, there's a difference between shaking under the power of God and a shaking that you can tell is this person's locked and, and there's, a, there's a demonic presence moving. And so this individual, I could sense right away, you could use discernment, that something was off. He starts foaming at his mouth as, as he's shaking violently. And so right there in this little, little church was the first time I had ever seen a demon cast out of someone. And the dramatic change of his freedom and the... You know, the, the wind of the Spirit bringing a healing from someone that was a prisoner. And so when you see things like that, it changes you. You're like, God, I want to see this in my life. Not just when I'm on a mission trip. What does this look like? So I came back to Chicago. And almost right away, there was, there was this girl who had just come to faith. She and her boyfriend had just come to faith in Jesus. Jesus like within a few weeks, and she had, in that time, visited an occultic bookstore, and she had gone down some, somehow to the basement. Why would you do that? Please, especially the basement, guys. If you're just peeking in the occultic book, no. But the basement, really? No, she had gone into this basement, and, and there was some sort of witchcraft that was placed upon her, and so she had become demonized in some form. And, and it wasn't like, hey, I feel a little bad or anything. She was like desperate. She was like, this darkness comes over me. And in fact, we saw this. I didn't have experience doing deliverance. We saw it where she would put her head down and look up and her eyes were like black. And she looked dead inside, you know. So I'm like, all right, this would be a good time to call on the power of God. Because this guy doesn't know what I'm doing but I carry the Holy Spirit of God within me. <laughs> There's something about actually when you confront darkness like that. I wanna tell you like, yeah, you're maybe a little bit nervous about how to respond, but I gotta tell you the Holy Spirit kicks it into gear. He's like, oh no, authority, level 10, let's go. And so this girl got freed from her, from her demons <laughs> and was walking successfully as a free woman following Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you a few of these encounters because it stirs something within us as we testify who Jesus is and what he does in our life. That we're not just these lukewarm believers who, yeah, I thumbs up, I receive Jesus, I identify as a Christian. Are, are we living radically like who Jesus is? It doesn't have to look just like me. In fact, I just talked last week, we're the body. So it could look very di- different for each one of us. It doesn't mean, for example, that in worship, that we all have to respond the same way. The, the purpose is that we're all engaging in worship. Some of you can be standing still, having the deepest time worshiping the Lord. And some of us are dancing around. Some of us are flat on our face. Some of us are laughing. We're encountering God because we're hungry. We're saying, I just want to encounter and worship you, God, whatever it looks like. And so getting comparison out the window, because in the kingdom, comparison has to be wiped away. Yes. And we have to celebrate who each individual is in their fullest. But as we do this, I just want to share a few testimonies from my own life to share with you the hunger that I want in this house. And I believe that as we start to sow some of these seeds in the garden here that there will be a faith, a germination, so to speak, of of, do it again, God. Do it again. As I was just even refreshing myself with my own personal testimonies, my own history with God, I'm like, do it again, God. Where have I grown dry? Where have I grown bitter? Where have I grown a little sour and judgmental? Where have I done that? Examine my heart again and lead me into a soft place hungry for you. And so this is, this is what I am, I am desperate for in the house. And I'm still growing. I'm still growing. We have imperfect people leading the church. Can you imagine that? That pastor's imperfect. I'm shocked. I'm still growing. I will for my whole life. But I want to be a man who walks in glory and grace to see God's kingdom ever advancing. And it's a hunger that I want to develop and never water down. So what does it mean to carry God's presence? It means wherever we go, he goes. It's living in continuous communion with him. It's letting his manifest presence touch and transform the world around us as they encounter God himself. You are a walking encounter. Now let's learn to engage with his presence and be that which he made you to be. I wanna wanna give a few first things first verses because this is the pillar of which the foundation is all on. First things first, Jesus commissioned his followers and therefore commissioned us at the end of Matthew in in chapter 28, and he instructs them to teach everyone to observe all the things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When is he with you? Always. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. We have to get this. This will set you free from abandonment issues. This will set you free from loneliness. This will set you free from discouragement. God, you're with me. Can you bring a revelation that you're here, that you're with me, that you're near? Hebrews 13, verse five. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we talked last week about these different measures of God's presence. You know, we, we talk about, Pastor, what are you talking about? It's like, God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. Why are you talking about the presence in these ways? And we looked about the different ways in Scripture where there was an increase of his manifest presence. And when his manifest presence is, is in a different measure, there is a different response that takes place according to that measure. Wherever two or more are gathered, there's a special presence of God. Where there's a gathering of the saints, there's a special presence of God that comes. Wherever in the Old Testament where the priests were offering up before the temple, a special presence came and they fell face down under the kabod glory of the Lord. There's a special presence, although God is everywhere and he never leaves you, never forsakes you. Another pillar that we have to understand is that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Let's read 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Can you see how ferocious God's love is for you? You are a holy temple. There there is a, a holy protection that surrounds you and a seriousness of God, a fear of God even, of his protection and how he sees you as a temple. The truth of his presence with us is amplified all the more when we learn that the Holy Spirit literally dwells in us, that receiving the free gift of salvation means not only that God saves us from sin and death, but that the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us and we become his temple. As those who make Jesus our Lord, we are a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. So we have these, these huge, these massive promises from Scripture all about these promises of God. But how can we actually see this become a reality in our lives? We, we hear these big promises. He'll never leave you. How do I make this real and actually apply it to my life? You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. How do I make that applicable to my life when I'm stuck in traffic and I'm in a bad mood? <laughs> Great, pastor. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit Currently, I'm stuck on the 405. (laughs) And why do some people see more of God actively than others do? I believe one major key for us today is found in James 4.8. And this is the starting point. James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you there's a sense of spiritual hunger that's activated in the life of the believer. If you wanna see his active manifest presence, draw near. Hunger, ask him for hunger. I talked last week about even our salvation is by grace through faith, but it's an active grace on his end. He gave you the supernatural grace to even believe. What makes us think that he's not gonna give you the supernatural grace for hunger? Where have we separated and said, I, I need to stir it up myself. I really need to strive into a place of hunger. I really need to make this happen. Ah, I'm actually gonna flog myself. I've been horrible. I'm gonna actually, in my pursuit of hunger, I'm going to go back into shame because I want hunger, but all I can stay stuck in is what I just did a couple days ago. But it's by the Spirit of God, like a key in a ignition, He's the one that brings the transformation into life. And His mercies are new every morning. Some of you need to hear that. His mercies are new every morning. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life, no matter what has happened to you that you've held on to somehow in confusion. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life and gotten off the path, even if you're a believer for all these years. His mercies are new every morning. When literally, I think literally, but also poetically, his mercies are new for you. All he's desiring is for his sons and his daughters to turn, come home. Turn and come home. Just like the prodigal. He was, he was being all kinds of naughty, spending his entire inheritance. But the father was looking actively for him. And the moment that he saw his son even starting to return home in the distance, he, in an undignified manner, pulled up his robe and started sprinting to his son and embracing him and crying and kissing him. And he says, come with me, son. I'm so glad you've returned home. It doesn't matter what you've done. You're my son. Come home. And I will put a robe upon you, showing my authority, showing that you are cloaked with my authority and robes of righteousness. And I will put a ring on your finger, showing who you are and whose you are, that you are my son, that you still have an inheritance here. You haven't lost it. I know you spent and squandered all this time and money, but you're home now, and I receive you. My my mercies are new for you. Just come home. This is what he's asking of us. No matter what we've done, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. <sighs> if you're married or you're dating, you can, you can live life next to your partner, or your spouse. You can have dinner next to them. You can watch TV next to them. You can be living a decent life by them. <laughs> Or you can actively pursue relationship. You can draw near. You can hunger for a deeper relationship with your girlfriend or your wife and actually do something about it. You can do something about it. Let's go on a date. Good idea. Let's pray together. Huh. It's a pretty good idea too. How are you feeling? I haven't heard you ask that before. Pretty good. (laughs) Intentional questions. Mama Michelle says, a red flag. That's that's correct. It's true. That would be a, a red flag. There's intentionality. There's a choosing to draw near. And somehow in our relationship with God, we've lost that it's the same way. Are you betrothed to be married or not? Oh yeah, I like having this engagement ring. I'm engaged, everyone. Jesus is coming. Cool, I have hope, I have faith, eternal hope. But have you gone on a a date with Jesus? I know some of the girls love that. They love to go on dates with Jesus. I honestly never say that myself. I'm going on a date with Jesus, but I said it just now, You first time. Are you spending time with Jesus? Are you praying with the great intercessor? Is there, inten- is there intentionality? It's hitting some people, it's good. It's good. I think one of the themes for me and for our team, for a while now, but we're just hit with another wave of it, is return to your first love. Return to your first love. And I'm thinking about like the ways that that I've just through busyness, through even good things. You know, this job is pretty cool. I get to do a lot of good things, but I can also get really busy And even I can lose my intentional rich time with God where my devotion becomes an hour-long checklist just to maybe even feel a little bit better about myself. Where have we lost track of our first love? Where have we made it about anything else besides simple obedience? Where have we made it anything else besides walking with God in the garden? And we think we're so awesome because we're doing great things he's like i really just want your heart that's really what i want yeah we'll do great things together but i want your heart i want your time so i think even as i'm sharing that i I want that to be a corporate cry within us return to our first love can we be a house that lives in that place of returning time and time again to our first love, living with simple obedience, learning what it looks like to walk with God, to encourage one another to live in that place. Power. As carriers of his presence, not only do we have immediate access and deepened personal relationship with him, we also have his power surging through us. And his power is here for you, for your transformation, but for the transformation and power and grace to be released to circumstances and into other individuals' lives. I'm always stirred when I look at the lives of Paul and Peter and how they carried and released the presence of God so radically. The glory of God was so strong upon them that they would send pieces of their own clothing to people in need, and they would receive immediate, miraculous healing. Pieces of clothing. That stretches some of us. You know, all we've seen are people on TBN late at night, and they're like, oh, for a $1,000, I'll send you a prayer cloth. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. This is out of humility, sending I, I can't be with them, but here, send my left pocket. Take it to Judith, who has a broken hip. This, this is the kind of radical anointing that rested upon these men. Let's read in Acts 19, verse 11. Now God worked unusual miracles. Some people say, God's not weird. <laughs> unusual miracles. I'd love to see the video clips of that in heaven. Unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from the body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Have you ever heard of someone having a demon leave them by an apron arriving at their doorstep? Unusual miracles. I don't own an apron. But maybe I will now, and I'll send it to you if you're in need. <laughs> We're over here trying to find formulas for what's best. Let me, let, me, let me try to find a formula of how to pray for the sick. Maybe if I put my hand like two inches higher on the kneecap, that will be, do the job. Maybe then the power of God will surge through my hands. But here we see unusual miracles by clothing and handkerchiefs and even aprons. Deliverance, healing... And then I look at the life of Peter, so drenched in the power of God that people were were quickly bringing their relatives who were sick into the streets. Peter's coming. Did you hear that Peter's coming down the road? We've heard this take place. And the multitudes were gathering, bringing the sick and laying them in the street so that even his shadow might be cast over them and they would find immediate miraculous healing. The shadow of a saint of God. This is the same Peter that denied Jesus over and over again, shuddering in fear, but filled with the power of the Spirit, came, came once again with boldness, and the anointing of God would touch his mouth as he would speak the gospel and perform signs and wonders that would accompany the good news. And as he would go out, the shadow that was cast from the sun would heal the sick that lay in the streets. Does that challenge you today? Does that challenge you to say, where have I watered down my faith levels? Where have I partnered with unbelief in my own life? That if a shadow can heal someone, surely as I take time to minister to this individual, God's power will be made manifest and they'll get what they need. Acts 5, 14 through 16, believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. You know, sometimes we say we're not about numbers, and I gotta say, in in some regard, that's true. We're not about just a bunch of numbers to fill seats. We want big men and women, right? We want you as individuals to be strong and empowered. But we also have to notice throughout scripture there's a glory in multitudes and an increasing number. And I think it's time that we pray for that, and it's time that we prepare for that. They brought the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and couches. It's not an old Ikea couch. They had ancient couches. Then at least the shadow of Peter might fall on some of them. A multitude gathered from surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. Here it is. They were all healed. They were all healed. I didn't even, when I read this, I I knew that people were healed by the shadow. They were all healed. I circled all a few times, all. They were all healed. This is a dramatic description of the power of God moving through us. So what's different about these men? There's a few factors. One, they devoted their lives to see God move. They laid their lives on the altar, as we talked about last week. Number two, communion with God was their very life breath. It was the union, the communion with God. Did you know that as a believer, nothing can separate you from the love of God? That before you were like a cucumber and the vinegar was over there, but as soon as you came into union with God, the language literally means that you are pickled with him. It's good news for some of you. You're pickled. You cannot be unpickled. You're stuck with Jesus forever. Confidence in the pickling. (laughs) I don't know. Okay. That's right. They believed what God said. They believed what God said. And they obeyed what God said that's all he's asking listen obey that signs and power would accompany the gospel message but so often we disqualify ourselves well that was very special for them back then in that dispensation that was very special for those apostles but let's get realistic pastor that just doesn't happen in these days does it but I wanna challenge us this morning. Could it be that the open heavens that they lived under, the open heavens that Jesus paid for by his death, burial, and resurrection, the open heavens that he brought us into, because we're pickled, could it be that the open heaven still exists, but in the minds of believers, most believers have just shut it in between their ears for a lack of faith? Maybe a closed heaven is only existing because our minds are not open to what God has provided for us. What if we actually engage with this kind of radical faith? What if we actually believed that, that these unschooled and ordinary men who had just been with Jesus, filled with the Spirit, can be like you and me? The truth is that in the kingdom... We can do the same. It's the same spirit of God. Romans 6 tells us the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Same spirit. The same spirit. If he can raise Jesus from the dead, he can pay your bill at the end of the month. If he raised Jesus from the dead, he can heal a fractured kneecap. Like it sounds funny, doesn't it? because the the juxtaposition between something that changed the course of history, like the resurrection of the Son of God, and somehow we've divided that into another category. You don't think that when you're meeting with a friend for coffee, that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead wants to be unleashed in love in that conversation? It's just changing the way that we live day by day. What if we pause in his presence God, stir up a radical faith. I've I've let it grow dormant. Stir up a radical faith again that this coffee meeting that I'm about to have, you are going to show up and I'm gonna be sensitive to listen and I'm gonna do my best to obey, but then you're gonna show up and show yourself as God. You and I both have a calling to do the same. This is the God of the new covenant. In the old covenant, when there was leprosy, when there was impurity, they would remove themselves, unclean, that is unholy, and I will remove myself. But Jesus came and flipped everything on its head and said, hey, sinners, tax collectors, what are you guys doing for dinner tonight? I want to spend some time with you. I wanna show you true love and compassion. I wanna to reveal to you true grace. He wasn't intimidated. He wasn't crossing his fingers. Stay away, sinners. He went to them. But it was because he knew who he was. He had been tested. And he knew carrying the Holy Spirit, I will be the one that changes the environment. I am not going to fall prey to the darkness here, I am bringing the light. And in fact, we see turning on its head where the Jewish individuals, if they had been touched by leprosy, were considered unclean. New covenant flip, go to the leper, cleanse the leper, lay hands on them with all boldness, see a cleansing take place. I have made you holy. I have made you righteous in Christ. Now, therefore, through your ministry, through your life, being the righteousness of Christ, being made holy, being sanctified and set apart, you now go into situations and bring the cleansing into the world around you. You bring the righteousness. You bring the healing for diseases. You cleanse the leper. You go into all the world proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Now we, full of the Holy Spirit, are called to release the kingdom of God and release his very presence. You sanctify settings, and you don't have to be afraid of becoming unclean by the leprosy. But touch the leper, release the healing of heaven. I believe the Lord has taken us, and I felt it this year, I felt a shift in the Spirit this year, from taking us from defense onto offense. I believe this is one of the themes God's doing in the house in this season. He's taking us from defense to offense. A lot of us have been in a season of defense where we've been fighting fears, we've been fighting shame, we've had inner healing, we've been seeing trauma delivered from our lives, we've been seeing relationships that need to be restored, we've been going through all the defensive moves. It's been hard, but you've opened your heart time and time again, and the Lord says we're switching it into a place of offense. It's now time to go with confidence. We're still going to be Worked on. You know, we're sanctified. We are being sanctified, right? We're still going to have God working deeply within us. But it's time to switch into a place of being on the offense in your life. This is not a time to shrink back. Are you stirred by Peter and Paul and the work of the New Testament saints? You can do the same. Let the Holy Spirit ignite this supernatural faith in you this morning because you are called for more. You are called for more. What could happen if we adopted this message and we carried it? How would this transform our personal times with God every morning? Oh, I don't have to go through a ritual I don't have to go through a ritual cleansing into the presence of God, but, but I, I know what that's like to be in worship and you know, the first song, I've got my coffee in my hand and I'm like, oh yeah, I should probably repent for some sins. Oh yeah, I should probably like, ooh, that's right, I need to still forgive that person, okay. Song number two, it's a little more emotional. You're like, oh yeah, I can kind of identify with this. This feels good. <laughs> Yeah, I, f- I feel that. I like that up on the screen. Song number three, you're like, oh wow, it's kind of like heating up in here, isn't it? Maybe I'll like do one of these. That feels pretty good. Oh wow, no one's really looking at me. That's, yeah, that's refreshing. Both hands. <laughs> There's freedom in this house, isn't there? You're right, no one's looking at you. Have a good time. (laughs) What was I talking about? (laughs) I don't actually know. Freedom. Oh, the ritual into God's presence. I, for one, was guilty of this ritual. I remember. And then I got a revelation from the Lord. He says... You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're clean. You're already clean. But God, I don't feel clean. I did these things. You're clean, son. Uh, But I feel so unworthy. I need to get these things right. I know, I know, I know. You're clean. Did you know that you are in the Holy of Holies and that you've never left? All you're doing is shoving your nose in the corner. You need a revelation that you live in the Holy of Holies, and that all it takes is a turning, a simple turn, and you're in the Holy of Holies with the Lord. You are co seated with Christ, co seated with Him. You are made a priest, a holy priesthood and he calls you kings and queens. This is not meant to be taken lightly. There is such an authority that God's released on our lives, and we have to marry power and character. We have to marry character and not abuse power. But as we've let God work in our lives, we can rule with him, not haphazardly declaring whatever we want to, I call forth a Cadillac in my life. I've got the authority for it. I'm sorry, that's called witchcraft. You just called out something that is not from the heart of God for your own selfish purposes. Spiritual manipulation is witchcraft. But if you're tuning in to the heart of God and you know what the will of God is in Scripture and what the will of God is in your prayer life, Then you can speak to the mountain to be moved. We have to get this power and character. Living in the Holy of Holies. The difficulties of life lose their potency. We begin to respond like Jesus. The rest of the disciples are freaking out when there's a storm. Jesus is there having a nice nap in the middle of a storm waking him up. Jesus, you got to do something about this. Some of you feel that in your own life. You're like, there's a storm going on. I feel like Jesus is sleeping on the boat. (laughs) Wake up, Jesus. Another nudge, Jesus. But he knew who he was. And he arose peacefully and confidently and full of authority and spoke to the winds and the waves, peace, be still. There's something in there about recognizing the authority that God has placed on our lives. Sometimes we are begging before God for something that he has already given us the keys to. We are begging him to show up. You've got to show up in this situation. And he says, I gave you the keys. I gave you the sword. I gave you the voice. Now speak. And it takes discernment to know when and where to do so. Have we fallen into a powerless faith where we beg God to move, but perhaps he's asking you to get up and speak with authority that he has given you? What can his manifest presence look like in a church setting? I want to end with this. What can his manifest presence look like in a church setting? I've been asking God for an extreme baptism of his love to linger in this house. I've seen God move in so many different ways by his power and healing and prophetic, whatever it might be. I feel like he wants to bring in a supernatural deposit of his love. What can the manifest presence of God look like in a house? I want us to just dream for a second. We got a foretaste of that last week. In the middle of worship, in the middle of ministry, in the middle of preaching. You know, we were doing all the church things, but God's presence was so tangible. And I can't tell you how many phone calls and texts that I received throughout the week. Multiple individuals that told me exactly the same thing. I think God rewired my brain. In the middle of service, I think God rewired my brain. I haven't had these thoughts. I haven't had this panic, whatever it might be, because the presence of God came, and does what He does. I had multiple individuals. um, I want to cover them and not say it, but they they received emotional freedom last Sunday. When God is moving in a space, He knows what every person needs. And it doesn't doesn't cling on to me just giving a good message. It's like God's here and he will accomplish what he wants to in every life. What if we fostered a culture of his presence like this? What if we actually knew how to foster that, to steward it well? And I think this is something that the Lord is teaching us in this season. We've come out of COVID, we're almost a completely new church, honestly. And it's time for us as a company of people to learn how to host, how to steward, and how to cultivate the presence of God in our atmosphere. When the presence of God comes, bodies are healed, lives are freed. Truth sets the captives free because He's speaking to you. He's teaching you His voice, He's teaching you how how to, to take His revelation and find freedom through it. He's giving you ideas, He's giving you clarity. He's giving you wisdom. It all happens when the presence of God comes in the room. And so I think there's something special about his unique presence that comes in a church environment that I want to foster with you guys.